listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering of Southcrest Baptist Church. To learn more about The Venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Is that song awesome? Yeah. They're going hard this morning. <laughs> Man, so good to see you all. A lot of y'all were gone uh, for the Journey Fall Retreat last week and also the Middle School Fall Retreat, so it's awesome to see everyone back in uh, worship this morning. Hey, so real quick, quick poll. Raise your hand, speaking of retreats, raise your hand if at some point in your life, whether it was 40 years ago or four days ago, you've gone on like a, a Christian camp or retreat and it made an impact on your life. You just raise your hand. Yeah, like across the room, you can put them down, or make anybody feel bad if you haven't gone on that. But I hate my life. Um, man, they're, they're incredible times to get away and, and meet with the Lord. I remember my first camp, um, well, maybe I had some before. My first camp uh, that I really remember was I just finished seventh grade and was going into eighth grade. That was when, in our youth group, we were allowed to go uh, on to youth camp. We went to uh, Centrifuge and Ridgecrest, North Carolina. So Laura and I grew up on the East Coast, so we had East Coast camp experiences. But went to Ridgecrest, uh, had an incredible time. Like seriously, God moved in some amazing ways in my life. I would say that was the first time in my life that I felt like I really experienced God working like in and through me and speaking to me. I remember just even like as a seventh grader being kind of dumbfounded in worship at the presence of God. Now, I was so pumped when we got back home uh, to, to regular life during the summer. I was so pumped. They had given us at, um, at camp, they had given us these tool belts kind of as an advertisement for Mission Fuge, which I la- later ended up working at. Really cool. But they gave us these tool belts for Mission Fuge. And I was so pumped about the experience I had at camp and meeting with God that for the next week, I just wore my tool belt all the time. Like, no matter where we were, what was going on, my, my older sister, who's four years older than me, was so embarrassed by it, right? Who is this loser middle school brother, always had my Infuge belt on. And I, I would go in my room and just blare the, the worship music that we had done at camp. So I don't know if anybody remember In the Secret by Sonic Flood? Okay, yeah, don't be shy, don't be ashamed. Okay, that was my jam. I remember my sister came in my room and so politely was like, did they sing any other songs at camp? Or like, was that the one? <laughs> um, would, would just over and over do that song and just was so excited about God. I even put, I remember I wrote, uh, I can't remember what, it was a psalm. But anyways, wrote this psalm on this little uh, human cutout um, and put it on my, uh, my wall in my, in my room to remember God's word and who I wanted to be about integrity and everything. But the problem was, as pumped as I was, it was genuine. I, I would say it was real. That was, that was a real experience and a real life change. The problem was it didn't translate to how I treated my family. So I remember, like, we'd be out in the living room, and my sister would say something, I'd be like, shut up, Ugh. like, just being a complete jerk to them or, uh, like, you know, just not wanting to listen to what they would have to say, or my mom or dad would, would ask me to do something, and ugh, fine, whatever, go slam my door, roll my eyes, just being, and that's really surprising for that age, right? But, um, just being a complete, that sounds so mean. Man, middle schoolers, I love y'all, okay? I didn't mean it like that. Um, I shouldn't have said that, dadgummit. Um, anyways, I was being a, a jerk. So I, I remember it very vividly. One afternoon, I had been, again, being a jerk to my family. I was in my room listening to In the Secret, you guessed it, right? And get my worship on, and my mom 
came in the room and uh, just said, hey, Brandon, I love that you have your tool belt on. <laughs> I love that you're excited about what God has done. But don't you think that your experience with God should impact the way that you treat your family? And then she just dropped her mom mic and just walked out. <laughs> no, it didn't exactly end that way. But I remember it was like the lights went off. I never, like in a good way, the bells went off, I should say. In my head. I never thought about that. I was saying I had this real life-changing experience with God, but I was treating the people closest to me, my family, like trash. Help me out here. Do we struggle with that at all seasons of life? Yes. <laughs> well, let's like just be real. What is it? I do this too. Like I'm up here preaching, and I'll have this temptation to go home on Sunday afternoon and just want to unplug. I want to just want to talk and hang out. I'm just like, yeah, it's cool, whatever. Like I don't know. Like, why do we? Why do we do that? We have this public persona when we're with Christians, and then we get with our family. And yes, we should let our guard down, but it shouldn't mean we let our Christianity down, right? Like, like we just drop it. Some of us we did that this morning, right? You just ticked off at each other, getting on each other's nerves. You come to church and like, Lord bless you. How you doing? I'll take a bulletin. Yes, bless you. Thank you, right? And it's like, what, what, like what, what happened? Where did this switch come from? It can be a real struggle to, well, yeah, to, to combine like what God's doing with our family life. But here's the reality. It should. Like, that's why my mom had every right to say what she said to me that day, because my experience with the gospel should change the way I treat my family. How many stories have we heard or you've seen or you've told of, man, I want to grow my relationship with Christ, or this person, they, they're thinking about becoming a Christian, but they're seeing too much hypocrisy in their family from people who say they love Jesus. Uh, how do we quit being hypocrites with really the people that we should love the most <laughs> with our family. Paul in Ephesians, go ahead and turn to Ephesians 5, by the way. Sorry, Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. Again, just to kind of remind you where, where we've been, Paul, the first two chapters of Ephesians, is laying out the gospel and what it is, and the idea of be, being brought from death to life because of Jesus. If you place your faith in him and follow him, repent of your sins. And then, really, the last three chapters of Ephesians, he's, he's kind of showing how it plays out practically. And so last week we looked at husbands and wives and how the gospel should impact that. And this week, Paul in Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, he kind of looks at the immediate family of children and parents and how that should, how the gospel should impact those relationships. And, and man, this is a, a tough passage, but honestly, it doesn't get much more practical than this. Because again, if your Christianity, if your faith can't impact your home life, then something's up. You're missing something. Let's pray together, and then we're going to dive in. God, we are grateful for, um, man, we're just talking about it. makes me think about it. Thanks for camps and retreats and places we can go to get away, um, to, to spend time with you, to be more like you, to hear you a little bit more clearly. God, thank you even for Sunday mornings. That's, it's kind of a mini retreat where we can come and worship and be with other believers and maybe... Um, leave some of the, or try to leave some of the cares and stresses of life at the door as we come into worship. But God, we pray that who you are and, and the gospel and what you've done for us 
and the way you're transforming us would invade every aspect of our lives. Lord, we're so prone to, <laughs> to not try to walk with you in the realm of our family. And God, we want to turn that around. So I pray that this morning you would just give us fresh eyes to, to hear your word, or to see your word, and fresh ears to hear your word, and that you would just speak to us. If you would, just take a moment to pray that God would speak to you this morning. And maybe take a moment to pray and ask that God would uh, use me this morning. God, we love you. We're grateful for your word. We trust you're going to speak. So here we pray. Amen. All right. So if you are, hmm, I want to do that. If you are a kiddo, meaning you still, hmm, actually, man, uh, culture today is making this more difficult. <laughs> if, if you're still living at home, and let's say you're in, in high school or below, so, it's to, so don't embarrass anybody like, or make you feel weird. If you're in high school or, or younger than that, you still live in a home, we just raise your hand real quick. Man, kind of, I, was, I have a lot of people over here, but everywhere. Okay, you put your hands down. Awesome. Um, raise your hand if you still have parents. You know, most everybody. Okay, good. Okay, good. So before we read this, um, I really believe Paul's primarily speaking to like, quote, kids still at home. I don't mean that, like, not, if you're in high school, I'm like, oh, you're still a kid. But uh, some of y'all are like, Brandon, you're just a kid. <laughs> um, uh, looking at kids who are mainly still at home. But at the same time, some of these truths still apply to, to all of us, okay? Um, so just kind of some parameters there. Chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. <laughs> And all the parents said, amen. amen. <laughs> Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Then he quotes the Old Testament. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. All right, so here's the, there's two points in here today. First point, children, this is really simple, should obey and honor their parents. Now, man, like, I just I want to lean in really, really close here. Students, whether you're a kid or a teenager, I'm, not, I'm mainly talking to kids still living at home. Are you listening? One of the godliest, most Christian, mature things you can do in your faith is obey your parents. I, I think growing up I had this disconnect, like I mentioned earlier, of, of my Christianity. I want to be mature spiritually. And then it was like, I'm going to treat my parents like trash, right? Um, I didn't say that, but in my heart and mind, that's maybe how I felt. The Bible teaches that one of the most mature, godly things you can do as a kid is obey your parents. <laughs> do what they tell you to do. He says, it's uh, obey your parents in the Lord. This doesn't mean that only if your parents are Christian. No, the idea is that if you're a Christian, if you've been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's part of your Christian duty is to obey your parents. So not just because it's culturally right, but because as a believer, as a Christian, that's what Jesus wants you to do. He wants you to obey your parents. So just real quick, this doesn't mean that anything and everything your parents tell you to do that you should do. Because like Again, this is like a very, such a small uh, 
minority group here. But if your parents are telling you to do things that would not honor God, then you shouldn't do those. Like if your parents are like, you know what, I want you to start doing drugs. Like, don't do that. <laughs> but you know why that's funny? Because that's not typically what happens, right? I would say 99.9% .9 of the time, maybe even more for most of you, uh, your parents aren't going to ask you to do something that's not in line with, with Scripture and that would make you disobey God. So he says, obey your parents. It's a good thing to do. And by the way, here, like a quick side note, that means parents should be laying down, um, I guess rules is the right word, like rules and expectations. He's like, you know, parents stink. They, they have all these rules and expectations. You, they're being good parents. Like, that's what they're supposed to do. Everybody still with me? And just on another side note, I remember in middle school one time, well, I was in, when I was a middle school pastor, I had a parent tell me, um, you know what, our daughter's in whatever grade, I can't remember. Uh, we just, we don't want to give her any rules. We just want her to figure it out all on our own. Like, I was, I'm, I'm young now. I was really young then, but even then I knew, like, that doesn't seem like a good idea. <laughs> Parents should be laying down expectations for children to obey and to follow and to do. <laughs> children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. It goes back to the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments. So, so that what is the promise? That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So this was an Old Testament. This wasn't like an individual promise. This was a promise to the community. The idea that, hey, when you obey your parents and honor your parents, Things are going to go well. I said you're going to live long in the land. Again, this is not promising like to each and every student here this morning. If you obey your parents, you live to be 110. You may not want to live to be 110. I don't know. Um, but that is, you're going to have order and stability in your life. Let's stop for a second. What does it mean to honor? It means to live a life that, that shows your parents respect even when they're not watching, even when they haven't specifically spoken to the issue. So just because you're, like, your parents going out of town, just because they didn't tell you that you couldn't have a party with Raider Red, and you're going to fly in Jay-Z and Beyonce, and all this stuff doesn't mean, like, well, they didn't say it, so technically we're not obeying. Like, no, to honor them means you, you, you don't do that. You, you live your life knowing or, and thinking through, what, what would they want me to do? What would honor them? No matter how old you are, no matter how old your parents are, you can still honor your parents. So even like, yeah, drawing in college students and above there, you can always honor your parents. <laughs> you can always do things that even show them that like, you, you care about their opinion. Again, I mentioned we says it's with a promise you may live well in the land. Think about, excuse me, live long in the land. Think about this. I think it's easy, if you're, if you're in college or older, it's easier for you to see this. But high school students, man, just believe me here, because it's coming. Did you guys notice, so all the, uh, I want to say the cool kids, but in high school, the students who constantly, like their habit was to disobey their parents, their, their habit was to rebel against their parents, have you noticed how in high school they may have seemed like the cool kids and everything was going their way, but pretty quickly after high school, that wasn't the case? Does that make sense? 
like, I don't want to throw people under the bus, but I think back to high school, and some of the, even the guys that, like, I don't know that I envy, but maybe I envied their popularity, how, like, uh, cool they were perceived to be, or, like, man, they just had everything going for them. They were the cool guy on campus. It, it was amazing to me how even just, like, three or four years after high school, it was like, dude, they didn't do anything with their life. Not that I'm like, oh, I've got it all together, but you, you look and oftentimes it seems like in high school when they're disobeying and rebelling that they're getting what they want and they have the best life. But time proves that disobeying and dishonoring your parents doesn't pan out well. So if you're middle school, high school, I, I, hopefully I'm young enough that you're like kind of listening to this. That I, I'm telling you, disobeying and dishonoring your parents doesn't get you a leg up in life. <laughs> if anything, it cuts your legs out from underneath you. Because your parents, surprisingly enough, actually have a pretty good perspective on things. I remember one time at a camp, <clears throat> they have, some of you all have heard this story. I'm sorry, I only have one life, so occasionally I'll have to share the same story. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I, I remember at a camp one time, there was this uh, apparatus they called the power pole. And the idea was that you climbed up this pole, uh, like, like a telephone pole, and then you had to pull yourself up on this platform, small, sorry, Angel, I know you hate when I do this, smaller than this speaker, and you're up, I don't know, 300 feet in there, not really, no, like maybe like 30 feet, something like that. Does that sound probably about right? And you get on top, and then you're supposed to jump out onto and grab this other like trapeze pole that's out there and swing, all, all the while, obviously, you're harnessed in and all that stuff. Well, I remember there was this, this student that um, was going to do it. He was pumped about it. He was excited. He was going to conquer his fears. So he, cr- he not climbed up. He, cr- he, he climbed up the pole, pulled himself up on top of the, uh, the top there on the pole. I can't, what's, what am I trying to say? Platform, thank you. And sat down. And when he like sat down and looked around, he just started screaming. Just like losing his mind, like whoa, what 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 happened? We're we're watching, of course, like being a great youth pastor. I pulled out my phone, like this is gonna be good. (laughs) I shouldn't have done that. That was not cool. Anyways, um, he is just screaming and losing his mind. We're like, what's wrong? He's like, well, the the wind's blowing and shaking. We're like, bro, you're okay. Like you're you're safe. You're you're harnessed in. Nothing's gonna happen. While he's losing his mind, the girl that's kind of running the the course, she's got she's everything's harnessed in. She's like, hey, buddy. Why don't you say a prayer? Like, we, we can see you're, you're fine. Um, I've done this before. I, I've, I've led this before. I've been up there before. I promise you're okay. Why don't you just say a prayer? Ask God to calm you down. So sure enough, he's up there on the platform. He closes his eyes. He, he opens his eyes, and the girl running it says, did that help? Do you feel better? He said, not really. Ah! <laughs> Went right back to screaming. So then she says, hey, if... I promise, like, we've been here before. We can tell you're going to be okay. If you don't calm down, we're going to have to go get, I can't remember the guy's name, whoever, to climb up there and do, like, a rescue. Like, he's going to have to come get you. And so keep screaming, keep screaming. So they call in, wherever this guy, I can't think of his name. Anyways, big, very strong dude comes up, and he says, all right, buddy, I'm going to have to come up there and get you if, if you don't come down. Like, I'm going to have to help you out. He, begin, he continues to scream. Well, the rescuer starts to climb the pole, and the kid says, I promise, if you come up here, I will kick you off of this pole without even hesitating. At this point, we're like, hey, we need this, are you okay? <laughs> this, is not, this is not good. I think just the stress was getting to him. Um, so sure enough, the dude climbs up there, does a rescue, was kind of 
dramatic and exciting. It was awesome. And uh, he finally got him down. I remember we walked him back to the camp, and he was like, I think I'm, the kid was like, I think I'm going to try that again tomorrow. And I was like, nope, no, you're not. <laughs> no, no, you're not. Um, what, was, what was funny about that story, a lot of things, but what was funny is like from the, I don't want to say adults, from the leaders around watching, it was like, dude, you're, you're going to be okay. Like, we've all been there at some point or another where you're, you do something you probably shouldn't have done, you weren't ready for, you get scared. But we could tell, hey, you're going to be okay. We want to walk you through it. If you would just listen to us, but he would have nothing to do with it. Students, I think that's how a lot of times your life is. You, you get in a situation and you're kind of freaking out. And some of you, I'm, I'm saying this in love, like, you know those moments where, like, you're crying one second and then you're laughing the next second, like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, um, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, we, we've all been there before, even as adults sometimes, unfortunately. Um, and your parents, they actually do have a good perspective. They actually are, are trying to help you. And so I want to encourage you to listen to them, to, to obey them, to maybe put down your, this is not my phone, but to put down your phone or your tablet or whatever it is and give them your attention. To honor them by asking their opinion. To honor them by saying thank you. <laughs> to honor them by looking around the house and seeing like, Hey, maybe I could help with this. Like, just what if? I remember growing up, one of my chores was taking out the trash every day. But it was, I think it was like until my senior year, my dad may argue that. But uh, up until my senior year, my dad every day was like, hey, you going to take out the trash? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was old enough and mature enough just to remember that. Why didn't I do it? I could honor him by just looking to get things done around the house. Obey and honor. And again, I would remind you, even if you're not at home anymore, you can still honor your parents. One last thing on that before I move to point two. I realize some, some of you are sitting there, and I, I think every person that's ever lived has felt this, are sitting there and you're like, yeah, but you, you don't know my parents. Like, they hate me. <laughs> They're trying to destroy my life. You, you don't know my parents. They're not as smart as me. They don't have it figured out. <laughs> two, two things. I, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing, but I mean this serious. So I, before I started working with, with college students, young adults, I, I got to do student ministry, middle school, high school, for, for almost 10 years, right up to 10 years. Um, and there were occasionally, like this many instances, and I say this like with sadness, this many instances where that was the case, where it really was sad. And we tried to bring in some godly mentors to this student's life because their parents, it, it was a bad situation. I'll just kind of leave it at that. But, students, you listening? The overwhelming majority of the time, like the absolute majority of the time, we got to work with parents who loved the mess out of their kids. And again, that sounds funny, but like they really loved their kids. They were trying. They would shed tears over their kids. And they wanted the best for their kids. I don't know every situation in this room, but I would say without a doubt, in the overwhelming majority of the situations in the room, that's the case. So students, listen. Your parents may not be perfect. I, 
Your parents aren't perfect. <laughs> but that doesn't mean they're bad parents. Y'all with me? Being a parent is hard. I'm only like 20 months into it. It's hard. <laughs> so maybe we should talk about that a little bit. All the students are like, praise God, bless. He's finally changing the subject. <laughs> the other side of the family equation, we looked at husbands and wives last week. We talked about students, kids. Let's talk about parents for a second. I remember when, uh, when Lauren and I, excuse me, when Lauren gave birth to our twins. I did not do that. Um, and, you know, the first, like, I mean, it's probably like day 13, I was walking through the church. I mean, like, they had been alive for 13 days, I, like, you know what I mean? Born for 13 days, sorry. Anyways, and I was walking through the church somewhere, you know, going on like 13 days straight of maybe two to three hours of sleep a night, and saw somebody was like, oh, is it just every moment of parenting just the best thing ever? And I was like, what is wrong with you? Like, I didn't say that, but I really was thinking like, are you, now I've grown like, it is, it is amazing, and I love it. But there are times in parenting that you're not thinking, this is just the best thing ever, Right? Listen, not because, students, not because your parents don't love you, but because being a parent is stinking hard. <laughs> it's not easy. What does the Bible say about it? <clears throat> Verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. L let's notice here for a second. Who is the primary responsibility of raising children up in the Lord given to? To fathers. <sighs> Man, last week we saw that dad, husbands have the responsibility of loving their wives, like Christ loved the church. They kind of have, you could say, like the, the, the higher, more difficult responsibility. And here again, he says, hey, fathers, the primary responsibility of raising your children in the Lord, guess what, Bubba? That's on you. <laughs> That's not to say, woe is us, and that's not to say, oh. if anything, it shouldn't make us go, oh, well, it's right, it's good to be a man, we get to be in charge. No, if anything, we should feel the responsibility. <laughs> that said, and so, clearly from Scripture we know that obviously the mother has a huge role in raising the children in the Lord, huge role. And often, like, sad to say, too often in our culture, the, hu the husband or the father is absent or could give a rip, and so the mother has to step up and do that. And so I just want to pause for a second. There are a lot of single moms in the room, and there's also a lot of uh, mothers who have tried to raise their kids when the husband doesn't really seem to care or doesn't want to speak up, and you should be applauded for what you're doing, <laughs> for digging deep and carrying a lot of weight that, honestly, weight that um, God says, hey, I want, I want the, the father, I want the husband to carry that weight. So... Again, I'll move on. I'll kind of use a generic idea of parents. But the primary responsibility is given to dads. It's given to fathers. But again, we also know that moms carry a whole lot of weight in raising their kids in the Lord. But he says, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Some translations say don't exasperate. So I mean, a lot of ways you could take that conversation, but the most like basic fundamental way, and maybe you could say... Uh, accurate way to understand this is don't be so harsh and nitpicky with your children that you frustrate them to anger and to giving up. Especially dads, we can do that, right? We can be nitpicky and harsh and stressed 
and have really high expectations, and you can make it seem to your you can make it seem to your kids like they can't ever be good enough, can't ever attain what you want them to be. So he says, don't provoke them to anger. So it means, man, I like being sarcastic, but it means you shouldn't be sarcastic with your kids. Now I think when like, so I'm 33 now, if my mom and dad want to be sarcastic, let's, let's go, let's have fun, right? But most kids aren't going to, not going to roll well with sarcasm. So don't be sarcastic. This is a challenge to not, to crush, like we talked about last week with the, the husband loving his wife, a challenge to not crush, but to care, not to destroy, but to build up. Don't provoke them to anger. I want to share something with you real quick. Um, I think often, like looking at my own life, gosh, just trying to figure this out. Again, I, some of you are like, man, your kids are only 20 months old. You got a long ways to go. I get that. Um, but even now, I already see a lot of times where I could, especially in the future, frustrate my children is because of my own stress in my own life. Does that make sense, parents? It's not so much that they do something. It's because of your own stress. Listen to this. Um, I'm quoting this from a book called Crazy Busy by Kevin DeYoung. Incredible book. It's really short and simple. Great book, Crazy Busy, Kevin DeYoung. Um, but he's, he's referencing a different study. He says, in the Ask the Children survey, researcher Ellen Galinsky, I think it is, interviewed more than 1,000 children in grades 3 through 12 and asked parents to guess how kids would respond. One key question asked the kids what one thing they would change about the way their parents work was affecting them. The results were striking. The kids rarely, listen to this, the kids rarely wished for more time with their parents. But much to the parents' surprise, they wished their parents were less tired and less stressed. Similarly, Galinsky asked kids to grade their parents in a dozen areas. Overall, parents did pretty well, with both moms and dads right around a B. Most parents got an A when it came to making their children feel important and being able to attend important events in their lives. The biggest weakness, according to the kids, was anger management. More than 40% of kids gave their moms and dads a C, D, or F on controlling their temper. It was the worst grade on the children's parental report card. Our children, Kaplan argues, are suffering from secondhand stress. By trying to do so much for them, we are actually making our kids less happy. Listen, last sentence. It would be better for us and for our kids if we planned fewer outings, got involved in fewer activities, took more break from the kids, did whatever we could to get more help around the house, and made parental sanity a higher priority. I think there's a point there. I may need to sit on you for a little bit, but I think too often we frustrate our kids. Y'all know I'm not quite to that point yet um, where they're picking up on all these things, but too often we're, fr- we're provoking our kids to anger, not anger, to anger, because we're carrying too much stress home. So maybe part of you not provoking your children to anger is trying to leave that at the door. Lauren, one of Lauren's bosses at, uh, at work, he says that he, before he goes in the house, he'll tap his hand on the, like the top of the door as a semblance of all that goes on at work, I just smacked on the door and I'll pick it up in the morning. <laughs> and walks in and begins fresh with his family. 
don't provoke them to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bring them up. It's the same root word as he uses in 529 where he says the husband is, excuse me, the husband is to nourish and cherish his wife. So the same idea that you nourish your children, you, you bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So I think a way to think of it is you want to, dads and moms, but especially dads, you want to use what you have in your life, even if you don't feel like it's much right now, to position and leverage the world so that their lives can flourish and grow. You want to position and leverage the resources you have to encourage them and to teach them the ways of the Lord. I love when it says the discipline and instruction of the Lord. A lot of the commentators think he's primarily referring to even like the instruction of, of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Parenting, again, I, I feel like a hypocrite because I'm not like not nearly as experienced as most of you, a lot of you. But y'all, parenting is not about do's and don'ts only, right? If, it's, if parenting is just about do's and don'ts, we're going to get a lot of rebellious kids because <laughs> no one likes roles, including adults, <laughs> Raising them in the instruction of the Lord is not just do this, don't do that. Honestly, that's not just what Christianity is, right? If the, if Christianity is not just about do this, don't do that. That's not the gospel. So to raise them in the instruction of the Lord is to teach them the gospel. But that, yeah, you are messed up. You are sinful. You're not perfect. There's one of our books that we read to our kids at night. Haddon loves it. It's his favorite book. It's awesome. Um, but there's one line that says, like you read it to the kids, it says that you're good. And, I'm, and I always change it to like, you're broken, but God loves you. Because we're not good. We're messed up people. We need to embrace that. Your kids aren't perfect. Don't tell them they're perfect, right? Teach them the ways of the Lord that, man, in spite of your imperfections, in spite of your brokenness, in, sp in spite of the fact that you've rebelled against God, God loves you and cares about you. Teach them, I think part of raising them in the instruction and discipline of the Lord is to teach them about grace. That, hey, you are going to fall. And when you fall, I don't want you to run from me thinking I'm going to be harsh with you. I want you to run to me so I can encourage you and coach you up and love you. And there is going to be discipline. <laughs> there are consequences for what you do. But I want to walk through this with you because I'm a broken sinner too. Teach them the ways of the Lord, then discipline and instruction of the Lord. I think part of that is to be in awe of God. And as, in your awe, excuse me, as you are in awe of God, you're going to teach that same thing to them. How many times I've been excited about something in my life I, it makes me nervous to think as the kids grow up, are they going to see me get most excited about things in life? Are they going to see me as a dad get most excited about God? I want them to see me passionate and in awe and just like dumbfounded at who God is, not just at the latest gadget or iPhone or whatever. <laughs> but it's a process. Raising them in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord, teaching them the scripture, teaching them the gospel, is a process, and it's not going to go perfect the very first time or maybe the, the 47th time. I remember when we first started uh, giving our, our kiddos, like, solid food. So we would, meaning, like, whatever we're cooking, they're going to eat. So, you know, you cut up into little bite-sized pieces. And what was, what's funny is, you know, so let's say it was, like, chicken and green beans and bread or whatever. And it's all these little pieces. So maybe we give them some chicken first. We quit doing this because we learned. We give them some chicken, and they'd be eating some chicken, chewing on it. And then the second we went to put some bread on their plate, we know what they do? Blah, 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 spit out the chicken so they could put the bread in their mouth. I'm like, what do you, stop. Like, that's gross. Like, like 
Chew it up and swallow it. You don't have to just the second the new food hits your plate, just spit it out. I was always laughing. Could you think, like, if, we, if you, you went with your friends to go eat at dinner, and, like, as soon as they, you had an appetizer, as soon as they brought the entree, you're just like, like, just ate the other food. It'd be so weird. Anyways, getting sidetracked. Um, <laughs> but you know what we didn't do? We didn't, when they, like, spit out the chicken, say, well, clearly they don't like chicken. I must not have cooked it right. We just won't try that again. No. Just... We they have those little food catcher pouches, you know what I'm talking about? The bibs, we just dig it out of their bib and put it back on their plate, right? Ooh, gross. <laughs> when you have two at a time, you just, you just get over the germ thing real quick. Um, no, but you, you realize this is a process. It's not that, oh, they don't like it, or, oh, they don't like our cooking. No, it's, it's a process. It's going to take time. I think raising our kids in the, again, I know I'm still a babe in this, <laughs> But raising our kids in the instruction and discipline of the Lord is going to be a process. So I want to lean in especially to dads, but dads and moms here. Just because you tried to lead a family devotion once or you tried to pray with your family and you kind of stuttered over your words and didn't go well, doesn't mean you should quit. <laughs> even if your parents, t- excuse me, even if your kids said, Dad, that was weird, doesn't mean you should quit. One of the, man, I feel for Tony, I love middle schoolers, but guys, don't ever do this to him. I remember one time after a sermon in middle school, I had two or three students come up and be like, that was definitely not our favorite sermon you've ever done. That was bad. Because <laughs> middle schoolers are honest. So listen, dads and moms, if your students come up to you after you lead a devotional or you pray, and they're like, that was weird, that was awkward, don't let it get to you. <laughs> say, you're weird, you're awkward, get away from me. Don't say that, no. <laughs> don't say that. But you laugh about it and move on. It's a process. You're like, what does that process look like of raising them in the Lord? Maybe it, just, maybe it means getting a family devotion. Y'all, man, I left my phone over there. Anyways, maybe it means getting the YouVersion Bible app. A lot of you probably already have it. Y'all, there's, there's family devotionals. There's, there's kids reading plans on the YouVersion app. So you're hanging out with your family, you're doing whatever. Hey, pause the TV, pull out your iPhone. You already have it probably. Pull it out and say, hey, we're going to take 10 minutes to read the scripture and pray together. And even if you don't do a great job, something is better than nothing, <laughs> right? I, you know what's really cool? I'm going to tell this to the parent. I'm looking around the room, and as I'm saying this, I mean, I'm like, my heart is encouraged. I see so many students, like high school and below, going, cool, yeah. So you know what I'm, I would encourage you moms and dads, especially dads, man, give this a shot. Maybe it means like we tried to do at night. Maybe it means uh, if you have little ones before you go to bed, you just read out of the Jesus Storybook Bible. That's a great resource. Um, or maybe it means there's all kinds of kids' devotionals. You can also, uh, uh, Josh McDowell, you could type in Josh McDowell Family Devotions. He has free stuff on the internet. You can get family devotions, questions to ask. Um, but maybe it's just reading a quick little devotional and praying. And sometimes it's going to go weird. Like last night, I was on the floor reading to Haddon and Caroline Tate, and Lauren's sitting there. And next thing I know, Haddon's on my back riding me like I'm a dinosaur. And I'm like, all right, I guess the devotional's over. <laughs> um, but because of the process, we're going to try again tonight, right? And begin to read Scripture with your kids. Begin to pray with them. If you have older students, you have older kids, maybe as you're driving in the car, Occasionally ask, hey, like, what's God, what is God teaching you? What, what are you studying in his word? What's he showing you? What struggles are you having? How can, how can I pray for you? And when they say, oh, just pray for school, don't say, no, 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 don't give me a one-word answer. Like, tell me what about school? How can I pray for you? Raise them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And again, it's the idea of nourishing. You don't pl- grow a beautiful tree, strong, fruitful tree 
in one day. It's a process. So parents, let's start nourishing our little trees. As we finish, I think a lot of us, students, when you think about obeying and honoring your parents, and parents, when you think about raising your children up in the Lord, a lot of us feel overwhelmed. Or maybe, for some of you, maybe there's hurt in your life that is holding you back from this. I had a different ending in mind, but this morning I felt like God brought this other verse in Ephesians to mind. I'm going to read from Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. To think back to how I started the service, while we tend to want to separate our family life from our Christian life, God doesn't do that. <laughs> he doesn't go, hey, I'm going to encourage you, I'm going to help you, I'm going to equip you, but your family life, figure that out on your own. He doesn't do that. He says, hey, in every area of your life, including your family life, I'm able to do far more abundantly than you could ask or than you could even think. So dads, moms, if you're sitting out there going, bro, I don't know how to do this, God says, I got you. <laughs> Students, if you're like, man, obeying my parents is tough. I feel like they don't understand the world as well as I do right now. They don't get me. They don't like my music, whatever. God says, hey, if you'll ask, I can help you obey and honor your parents. And lastly, I would say this. The idea of, of God not separating our family life from the rest of our lives. The more that we learned our identity in God's family, the easier it is going to be to relate to our earthly family. So students, maybe part of you learning to obey and honor your parents is learning to obey and honor your heavenly father. And dads and moms, maybe part of you learning to, uh, or us <laughs> growing and raising our kids in the Lord is spending more time with our heavenly father so we can be more like our good father. Amen? Here's how we're going to respond. Um, in a moment, as we sing, Richard is going to be back in the back. I'll be back there as well. And if you would like to know Jesus, you want to be part of the family of God, we would love to talk to you about that. Really, it's really simple that all of us on our own are dead and separated from God. We have no family. <laughs> we have no heavenly family. But because of the perfect life and death of Jesus, you can be accepted into the family of God. So we'd love to talk to you about that and explain that a little bit more. Maybe for some of you, I, I mean this, I'm not just trying to be whatever. During this response time, maybe you need to pull out your phone and not check a football game, but pull out your phone and text your parents and say, thank you for being awesome. You don't have to say you weren't perfect, but just say, thanks for being a good mom or dad. Most of us probably should do that. Or maybe during this song, maybe as a dad or a mom, you want to kind of huddle your family together and just pray for a moment. Maybe as a kid, you need to pray for your parents or pray for your own heart that you would obey and honor them more. Maybe as a parent, you want to pray that God would help you to bring them up in the Lord. But whatever it is, we all know that we need to respond to God's word. I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit is leading you to that right now. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing and respond. God, thank you for the fact that you do care about families. 
and that you've invited us into your family. God, I pray that you would help students in here. God, kids, we're all kids in some form or fashion probably. I pray that you would help us to obey and honor our parents, Lord. And Lord, that that would flow from a gospel mindset, not from a do or don't mindset, but that we would just realize that because you've been good to us, we want to live how you instruct us to live. God, for parents, I pray, myself included, that you would encourage us to pour in to our kids, whether that's reading a devotional, whether that's memorizing scripture together, whether that's praying together, whatever it is, you begin to lead us and guide us, God, that we would realize raising our kids in your love and instruction is not just at night in a devotional, it's not just in the morning, it's walking with them, it's a process of day after day spending time with them and investing, God, so help us to learn how to do that. Lord, that all that would flow from the fact that you're a good father, you've invited us into your family. So hear me pray, amen. If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcast. The goal of the venue is to help you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus by being relational, helpful, hopeful, and real. Thanks again for listening to the venue podcast.